The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. I've interviewed Rick Wakeman a few times, and he amazes me because he never slows down. He has released 90 solo albums since 1973, while at the same time becoming world famous as the keyboardist and multi-instrumentalist for the band Yes. Now he releases a new album, A Gallery of the Imagination. We're talking about that material, his history with David Bowie, and playing live on stage with Yes, as I now have Rick Wakeman on the line from the UK. Rick, welcome back to the show. To say that you are prolific is kind of an understatement. I, I mean, your, your new album coming out in February titled A Gallery of the Imagination. Tell me about the thought behind that, because what I've heard so far is really great. Well, it, it goes right back to 1954, uh, when I was five years old, I went off to my uh, piano, first piano lesson with a wonderful piano teacher called Mrs. Symes, uh, who was um, uh, had the reputation of being one of the finest piano teachers in southern England. Uh, so I was very lucky to go to her. And literally the very first lesson, she said to me, you're going to be learning all different kinds of music over the next 12, 15 years, or whatever. And, and she said, and one of the things that will remain the same is that once you've learned a new piece of music, I will want you to memorize it, close your eyes, and paint pictures to the music, because that's what you are. You're a musical painter. And I've done that ever since. I still, to this day, people often ask me why I've closed my eyes a lot on stage. And the reason uh-huh. is, is because I'm still painting pictures, and I still do it now. Even when I'm practicing at home on the piano, I close my eyes and, and pictures come into view. I, I, wouldn't it be nice to do an album like that so that the listener, if they wanted to, could close their eyes and paint their own pictures? Yeah, and the title of the album obviously kind of ties all that together, and I'm wondering if... Yeah. Is the, is the lineup the same that you had on the Red Planet album, which was so good? Um, it is the same lineup, uh, except that uh, because there's eight vocal tracks on this uh, on this album, uh, I brought in a wonderful uh, girl singer called Haley Sanderson. Yes. Haley is pretty famous in the UK. Uh, you have dance uh, dancing with the stars in America. We have Strictly Come Dancing. It's called, and Haley is the the singer for the band. Uh, on on the television, so she's she's pretty well known, bless her. And she has an amazing range on her voice. Yeah, she does. And she has a ah, oh, she's amazing, and has a great understanding of music and that as well. And the great thing is that uh, the songs, uh, I had no fear in asking her to sing them because I knew she'd get them. Uh, I mean, David Bowie said to me once, make sure whenever you pick musicians that you pick musicians who understand what you're trying to achieve. Because if you don't, you won't get what you're after because if they don't understand it, how can they play it? And I'm lucky with the whole band, uh, which is the Red Planet Band, which I use, and also uh, uh, bringing Haley in. Not a problem at all. Haley came out, I did some prog rock shows uh, last year, middle of last year, and she came out and uh, I'm very pleased to say that the prog audiences absolutely loved her because they could, they could be pretty critical when new things can happen. And she gets the music. She understands the song. She gets the music. She has a phenomenal range uh, and just great fun. So, yeah, it's the Red Planet album plus Haley. 
I have to tell you, I was playing the first digital release from the album. It's called The Dinner Party. And I was playing it pretty pretty loud on my back patio the other day. And a neighbor came out, and I thought he was going to tell me to turn that the hell down. But he comes out and says, <laughs> who is that? That is great. And I said, it's Rick Wakeman. And he goes, sold. I want that. So I think I sold an album for you, Rick. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Thank you. Well, the dinner party's got a little bit of an interesting thing. So Tim Rice and I are great friends. And we were working on, yeah. a, on, a, on a musical project for a musical over the last few years. And one of the things was the basis of this track, actually, which was uh, we had this idea of a dinner party where we would talk about, isn't it interesting at a dinner party where every, you know, you might have 10, 12 people around a table and there's just a general noise going on and then suddenly somebody will come out and say something and everybody just focuses in on that and it becomes very loud and then when that's finished, it goes back down to the general hubbub and everything <laughs> again as well. And, uh, and we started to write this piece for it, and I, I wrote the, the, the music. Uh, literally, to do that, you've got the general hubbub, then you've got something that happens, and then you've got the different sort of things, uh, topics that might come up. And I finished it and played it to Tim, and Tim said, I don't want to put lyrics to that. You'd spoil it if you put lyrics to that. Leave it as it is. It says everything it needs to. So it's now down to the imagination of, of whoever's listening as to how they see the the uh, dinner party. I can picture it. Uh, I love the story you tell about how your two rescue dogs were in the studio while you're working on this, and your engineer had to deal with this situation. Yeah. Uh, we've got three rescue dogs, and two of them come in the studio a lot. One of them in particular, the well, the two from Sarajevo for the war zone, uh, they're just lovely, yeah. and they... Uh, they come in. Luckily, my engineer and co-producer Eric Jordan loves dogs, so uh, <laughs> he's, he's quite happy. And, and they, whenever there's music going, they come straight in. And in fact, when I'm playing the piano, Darrow, who's the, uh, he's a big uh, cross between a, a black Labrador and a Bernese Mountain dog. He's, he's huge. Uh, he was saved uh, in. As I say in Sarajevo, he can, he he just will go and sit under the piano. If there's a, if there's music going on in the room in the house, he'll go to that to that room where the music's playing. That's beautiful. Uh, I just heard Rick that Warner Music bought the whole Yes catalog. What does that mean for you, individual band members? I'm not sure how that all breaks down. Basically, when the idea came for them that they would uh, buy the lot. And, you know, sort of buy out all our shares and bits and pieces. I was immediately absolutely in favour. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is, is because I have to be realistic. We're all getting old in the band, and uh, and you know, it'll get to the stage where if once everybody's gone, uh, in particular, uh, and in fact, it's confusing now. What happens to the music to the right? It's, it's just it's just a a mess. Yeah. And it's not just for us; it's for lots of bands as well. And I thought. How perfect if the uh, Warner Brothers, because we were on Atlantic, the producer, they retained everything so that they became almost guardians of the of the music and protectors of it, so rather than uh, you could foresee lawsuits coming up in years to come as to who's got what, who owns what, uh, you know, families coming out of the woodwork saying, "Oh, that's ours now," and all that. You know, so for me. For, uh, for the for the record label, and I still call them the record label, to, to be the guardians of the music to me is the 
perfect solution. I, I look back to the times when um, you, I think you were actually playing in a soul band when David Bowie's people gave you a call and yeah, said was, he wanted you to record with him. Yeah, I was with a, a big 17-piece soul band in, in just outside of London uh, rehearsing and a call came through that uh, they uh, from Tony Visconti uh, and I was called to the manager's office down there at, the, at this big ballroom and Tony said, can you get up here quick? David Bowie's recording a, a new single called Space Oddity. He wants Mellotron on it and nobody can keep it in tune. And he said, I know that you have a crafty way of keeping it in tune. Can you get up here? And I said, look, take me a couple of hours. He said, doesn't matter. So I said, okay. So I went up there. And that's how I first met David doing that track. And after I did it, he said, I've heard some of your piano playing. He said, I really like it. Would you like to do some stuff with me? And I said, I'd love to. And that uh, was the start of a very... Very beautiful relationship. Uh, you would then move on to, yes, with albums like Fragile and Close to the Edge, with as complicated as they were musically, did you have everything you needed technically as a band to pull that off live on stage? Yeah, we did, because what we always did before we went out on tour, so I, I remember after Fragile and the same after Close to the Edge, we realized that because there have been so many additives and, and overdubs and things that we've done on the album, that what we would do, we would need to almost analyze each of the parts and play the most important parts. And also, sometimes uh, it would be a situation where if there were two guitar parts that were really important, more so than a keyboard part, I would play one of the other guitar parts, and vice versa. If there were a lot of keyboard parts going, Steve would, would or Chris, they would add in the the major parts. So we, I think we did a pretty damn good job of, yeah, of covering the stuff live on stage. <laughs> you know, I was very proud of uh, of the care that Yes took on stage with how it performed the music, and I, I often think that that was one of the big secrets of, of Yes's success live because uh, we could we could pull it off because we'd taken the care to analyze what we'd done. One of the best live shows I've ever seen. The new album from Rick Wakeman and the English Rock Ensemble is A Gallery of the Imagination. It's available February 24th. Rick, always enjoy talking to you. Good luck with all this stuff. And you, thank you so much. Hope I can get back to Vegas soon. I missed the place. Uh, we miss you. Cheers, bye. You know, when you listen to those Yes Masterpiece albums, it is understood that the band had some of the greatest rock musicians of all time, both in the studio and on stage. We're talking about Chris Squire, Steve Howe, and Bill Bruford, not to mention the great vocals of John Anderson. And remember, besides playing on Bowie's Space Oddity and Life on Mars, Rick played on T-Rex's Get It On, Cat Stevens' Morning Has Broken, and Elton John's Madman Across the Water. Well, that does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. Yeah.